0: So, now it's Thanksgiving week, and I always like to do some sort of a gratitude talk. And, and, and I thought of the, the Thess- Thessalonians, Thessalonians uh, 5, 17, quote, uh, five seventeen or 18, uh, about, and in all things give thanks, or in everything give thanks, depends on which Bible you're reading, which interpretation. And I... I don't always talk about sobriety up here in the 12 steps, 12 step programs and fellowships, and it is a fellowship. But, but I, uh, early on in my, my time in that fellowship, and I'm still in it a hundred years later. Uh, but early on, I remember hearing people, some people say, my name is such and such, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. And I thought they are wet brains. How could you be grateful for this? I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. Uh, I didn't want to be there. I was there because I had to be, not because I wanted to be. And certainly, woohoo! an alcoholic. Nobody leaves high school with dreams of joining AA. <laughs> Any more than most of us leave high school with voted most likely to become a minister. <laughs> uh, and, but that's my path. But they would also told me, they, those people, That uh, gratitude is the number one healer. And those people also, this one man, a very tall man, he stood up in the front of the room. I like to say he said it to me, but I was just in the room with everybody else at the time. And he said, God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. And I said, I can imagine some pretty wild things. And I thought, even better than that. And I thought, what's better than that? the things I was imagining I'm not I'm going to share with you right now. And, uh, but none of them involves a responsibility. I'll tell you that. Uh, and then one day, serenity came along and I thought, oh, that's better. I couldn't imagine serenity. I really couldn't imagine peace. I thought peace was the absence of something. You know, so many people think peace is the absence of war. No. The presence of peace will take away war, but if we end this war, we'll just find another one if we're not prepared to experience peace. And so it's about peace. It's not about getting rid of this so we can have love. It's about taking on love so that we no longer are reaching out for what is not the fulfillment of love. And so to keep looking at uh, things that way. And so my life began to get better. And I, I remember they told me to get down on my knees and pray. They, those people. Because I, I at that point, I didn't know I was really one of them. I knew I had to be there with them for a little while. Well, that little while is still going on. But, because some people say, you still have to go to those meetings. And I say, you know, maybe I don't. Well, you can't drink. And I said, maybe I could. But who would it help? What good would I do at this point if I were to drink? What good would I do in the world if I didn't still go and share my experience, strength, and hope with these people, with the newcomer? And so rather than risking things and <coughs> excuse me, ra- rather than risking uh, catastrophe really because I've seen what can happen to some people who thought they could handle it and as soon as I start thinking I can handle anything, I'm in trouble. And it's not just alcoholics, I have no business handling anything. As soon as I think I can handle the church, we're in trouble. <laughs> as soon as I start thinking I can handle our relationship, we're in trouble. As soon as I start thinking I can handle my weight, I'm in trouble. I don't handle anything. I, I make choices. Based on my spiritual understanding and willingness at any given moment, and I so I I I, uh, I went into the uh, early in uh, 1989 the first time, and I, I stayed around for about five months, and then I I forgot my misery. There's a term there, forgetting our misery. Uh, and when we forget our misery, we go back and we try the same and same thing. And so for f- three and a half years, I kept forgetting my misery, trying to handle it myself. And then finally one day, I didn't want to handle it myself. And I, oh, I couldn't. I was so unhappy that I actually went to those stupid girls. Goodbye. Uh, thank you. See you Tuesday. And I, uh, I, didn't want to, I, I didn't want to handle it by myself anymore. So I, I thought, OK, turn it over and give it a shot. And I went with all my fury and disappointment and and i showed up and i called the mentor from the first time in to to say i'm back not that i thought he'd be waiting for me to come back but i said i've come back and i'm sincere and i was he said that's great and i said where do you go to meetings he said i don't go anymore i said really he said yeah he's he, he said you know after five years if you're still going to meetings there's a problem and some people believe that and that's their program but what it told me is i didn't want his program and i didn't want to judge his program so what I did, and this is what I recommend to anybody in any form of life while you're walking the streets, find the people who have lives that you admire. Find the people who have a God that they like and who likes them. Find the people who have overcome, who have alchemized their past in order to uh, have a great life. And I met people. I mean, great. It was amazing to me. The people I met, I'd see them at lunchtime meetings in the city, and they'd be there in a suit and tie. And they'd be sharing about their wife or their husband, and uh, that, that, you know, somewhere in Serenity, they, they, Mets and they're in love and they have. They're now they're building a family and they have homes and they had money and they didn't smoke anymore. They didn't do drugs anymore. Uh, drugs were not my thing, but um, they didn't do that stuff anymore. And I thought, and then they would tell the horror stories. I say, "Wait a minute! You don't look a thing like the story you're telling. You don't look a thing like a crack dealer stealing your TV out of your apartment while you're passed out. You don't look anything like that." And I'd meet these people, I mean, and I'd hear some of the most horrendous stories. And here's these people who are living respectable lives and they have a faith and a higher power that they called God. And I wanted to get to know them better because I had such shame that I was me with my past, with my childhood, and some of the things i had done i had a huge shame and i wanted to keep it a secret but i was willing to do whatever it took to not to to stay sober and find a sober life wasn't just i didn't want to be afraid of alcohol i didn't want to be afraid of cigarettes. i didn't want to be afraid of those things i needed to make friends with them so that i didn't still give them magic and there was this one woman, about a hundred years. She really did, and uh, and she would sit and crochet in her meeting. She was very loud, and, and but she knew she didn't know it all, but she did know it all. So I would pursue her. I would call her on the phone. Tell me about this, and tell me about. She'd yell at me, and she'd she'd be great. And one night, all of a sudden, I wanted to drink, and I thought, what's going on here? I never want to drink. If that obsession lifted immediately, and I thought. But I, and I don't want to tell anybody, because I thought if you still want to drink, you were doing something wrong. That was my, my egoic mind, but I thought, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So I went to her before the meeting, and I said, I want to drink. She said, of course you do, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> 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 that was kind of like news to me. <laughs> And I, I thought, I was so relieved to get that information from her. <laughs> oh, I'm an alcoholic, and it's not a bad thing, is it? And I, you know, the 11th tradition says we will maintain anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And so I'm, all, I'm often hesitant to break my anonymity here. I don't tell my anniversary, and I don't do that stuff. But today, with gratitude and giving thanks for all things, it seemed appropriate and uh, it's not a secret society. And I will not break anyone else's anonymity. And, uh, and that's one of the traditions, too. We will maintain anonymity, although I I said I was at a meeting once with someone I was mentoring. And he was so afraid that somebody would find out. And that was the topic that day. And I and, uh, uh, for people to discuss and people shared, like, you, nobody better break my anonymity and everything. And I, and I told a couple of stories and I said one was that I have a friend who's also in the fellowship and I gave her permission to break my anonymity because I knew she would tell fewer people if <laughs> she had permission to do it because she likes to tell a good secret. <laughs> she just can't stop herself. So if I wanted to love this person, how do I love her? Give her permission. I, I remember I ended a relationship and I mutual friend said, I didn't know you two broke up. I said, that's because I didn't tell her not to tell you. (laughs) So she didn't need to tell, you know, know your friends, know people if you want to love them. But so anyway, I I shared that and I said, now here's the thing people, right here it's from this seat, I will give you all permission to break my anonymity. Because if you think I'm going to trust a bunch of alcoholics with my secrets, (laughs) then I'm a fool. I said, however, I don't know if I could stay sober if I break yours. So your anonymity is safe with me. And that didn't go over well that day. That I gave people permission, but it doesn't matter. I ha- I was there to be set free. I was to live happy, joyous, and free. There used to be a woman that came in every night at midnight, and she would rant and rave about her day. And she, but and at the end of it though, she would say but I'm going to keep coming back because I know God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. I didn't know that. That message didn't circle around my house growing up as a child. <laughs> that, no, God's will for me was to be well-behaved. And, uh, and well-behaved was at the adult's discretion. Clearly, I wasn't taught about God's discretion. And and the, but and so I got excited about God. I got excited about spirituality. And I got excited. And then one day somebody from the fellowship said, Sean, do you want to go to Unity with me today? And we went up to Eric Butterworth's church. And I walked in and this guy was screaming the soloist was screaming out on a clear day you could see forever in Avery Fisher Hall. It was one of the most beautiful moments of my life musically to hear this. He had oh what a voice. Stephen LeHue was his name. And and then the speaker that day was really funny, and I had never laughed in church like that. And what I saw was, oh my goodness, my whole past brought me to this moment. I couldn't have this without all of that. You know, without the childhood abuses, I couldn't have this. And so I really started focusing on that wording of the steps of my sponsor, what have you. And I got grateful, to the point where I told my mother she never had to apologize again for my childhood. I said, Mother, look at me. Look at who I am today. I'm trustworthy. I'm likable. I'm fun to be around. Look at me. And I couldn't be this without that. So I'm never, ever going to... Throw it up in your face again. We'll never lie about what happened. But it has a new meaning. And a new definition. And and I didn't say definition. I didn't use that word yet. But I said, Mother, it's not bad anymore. I don't need it to have been different. And I think maybe in that moment she saw it for how horrible it had been, uh, that childhood. And three weeks later, she by surprise made her transition. 64 years old. And so I like to say I killed my mother. But I... uh, (laughs) But she was set free. I set her free that day. I I really, really did not need her to have been different. I loved my mother. And what I learned through that whole forgiveness process is nobody wants to hate their mother. Sometimes our parents, they don't know any better, and so they make it just a hateful experience, even into adulthood. But I decided I wanna love my mother, so I gave her a wide berth to make mistakes. So that when I went home to visit, it was still fun. I could still appreciate her. But I went home to visit. I didn't uh, live there anymore. And, but I still talked to her three or four times a week for a long time. And I still wish I could call her up on the phone. I wouldn't bring her back. But I still wish I could call her up on the phone and share this. I mean, She would be shocked that I was a minister today. <laughs> but, but, and yet it was her death that helped me get here. Yeah, seeing my mother in the casket that next week. I remember looking at her thinking, wow, wow, this is, this is just too much to understand. And i oh, that's what God is. That's what God is. Just too much to understand. And so I got, even in that, it, I could find, I could cry for my mother, the pain she went through before. And she wasn't sick, it was just that mental, emotional, spiritual pain she'd gone through for most of her life. And, uh, but she, I had, a, she was not in a bad place any longer. She was not in a painful place anymore. She was with God, whatever that meant. So dying, I knew that day, was not a bad thing. It hurt, hurt my feelings. And I could cry over it. But my, my mother wasn't crying anymore and I knew that. My mother wasn't sad anymore. I cried because it was just all that stuff. And, I, and I, it took a year. It took a year to really get through things. I lost my short-term memory for six months. I, uh, you know, I'd walk away from a conversation having no idea what was said. It was a shock to my system. But I thought, oh, my mother died. This is, this is what this is. Even at the funeral home, the visitation day, a friend of mine came and he owned a, a men's clothing store that my family had shopped at for many years, and when I get back, we tell each other jokes and stuff as I bought clothes from him and 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 he came in and he and he it, he it was lovely, and he said, "So what's new?" And I said, "Oh, my mother died and he went because he didn't want to laugh out loud at the funeral home in front of everybody, but even then we could find humor. Even then, we could find humor. My trainer at the gym a few months after where I'm at the gym and he's a watch I wore it. I, my mother had given me for Christmas many a few years before. He said, that's a nice watch. I said, "Oh, well, thank you. My mother gave it to me. And he said, oh, yeah, how is she? And I said, oh, she's still dead. <laughs> 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 and Because people get so sensitive around that stuff. And I don't. I I like to laugh at all that stuff. And so, but it took my past to get there. Seeing the ridiculousness of my upset. Seeing the how, how much time I wasted when I could have been happy, joyous, and free. And I don't sit and regret a, now for it. I, I wasted the time. I used the time, whatever. But I, uh, I don't have to choose that misery now. I can look at it and say, oh... I spent all that time in that. I'm not spending any more time in it. Time to spend time in gratitude. Time to be grateful. And anybody who doesn't want to spend that time with me, I may not be able to spend a lot of time with you. Because it's just, I'm going to get sucked in because I'm enough of a codependent. And and so I, uh, I battle that when it goes around. But I don't want to judge it. I you got to have your journey. You got to have your journey, everybody. I got to have mine, and so to go there. Now I looked up. I'm, I'm not going to go much longer, but I looked up a couple of little things here, and I, and I, the metaphysical meaning of Thanksgiving, rendering our grateful thoughts to God for manifold blessings. Surely in goodness. Surely goodness and loving and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And that's Psalms 22, 23. We give thanks that this is truth. Thanksgiving will keep the heart fresh. For true thanksgiving may be likened to rain falling upon ready soil, refreshing it and increasing its productiveness. Then I saw this. You can give thanks in all things because thanksgiving is a response to the goodness and grace of God. God's nature does not change based on outward circumstances. So you see, I can be very unhappy. I can be very resentful. I can be whatever I choose to be, consciously or unconsciously, and God's nature will not change. And here's the really good news. My nature will not change. Your nature will not change. We are still God beings created in love. And if we put down or we release what we want to tell God. We just release it. Don't bother to tell God. Instead, ask God what to think about it. Ask spirit what to think about it. Ask life and principle and love what to think about it so that you may start thinking in true thoughts. Does this make sense? Oh, thank goodness. Okay, just a little, bit more. a little bit more. This comes from Luke. It says, Gratitude is a great gift that lives within you for... Oh, I thought you just clapped. <laughs> <laughs> gratitude <laughs> is a great gift that lives within you for true gratitude is the recognition of truth. It is an inherent appreciation for you and your freedom. Gratitude is the remembrance of truth nurses your willingness to full health. Do not hold back on gratitude. Take time to sit in quiet and know your gratitude. To know the fullness of your gratitude is to receive a glimpse of your truth, for your truth is gratitude and love. So here's an exercise for this whole week and the rest of your life, but let's start with this week. Maybe even this afternoon. Just start with that, if you can handle it. When something takes place, that normally you would say oh i wish that hadn't happened you say oh, i was hoping that would happen thank you god i started doing that when i, I remember one day i knocked over a glass of water with my dog's leash and that was the worst thing one of the worst things you could do was in my house as a child ruin a table with water stains uh and i i looked at it and i started to get upset and i said no 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 i was hoping that would happen thank you god and i laughed and then i wiped up the water I don't care if you get a diagnosis of sickness this week. You say, oh good, I was hoping that would happen. Thank you, God. Because I know this isn't permanent. I know this does not have the meaning I used to think it meant. I know this does not have the meaning my mother gave it to it. If you slip and fall, thank you, God. Oh, My hip hurts, my leg hurts, my fingers hurt. Thank you, God, thank you, God. God is good. I am willing for a healing, God, show me how. Tell me what thoughts to think to have a healing. Because I was promised that healing is possible. It's a tremendous amount of work, I know, to be grateful, to be cheerful, to laugh, at what we used to take so seriously. But I don't hear my spirit of my understanding telling me, you should be serious about this, Sean. You know, I had to laugh earlier. I came the chairs all the way over there. I came with the water. And I went, ugh. Ugh. And then I mentioned the radio. And she said, oh, I moved that chair. And I said, move it back. <laughs> I don't want to drag it all the way during the service. And, and she did and then the candle ended up behind here. They, they rearranged my stage. I did that too. I didn't know where the candle went. It went where it was <laughs> Yes, and the candle was there. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Thank you God. Thank you Reissa for giving me an opportunity to practice what I was preaching today. Seriously. I mean that so seriously. As I'm sitting over there, and I thought, "This, this is what you're preaching today. Give thanks in all things. Give thanks. Because why not? I mean, really.